Yo, 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 what's up? Avery Sports Show, we are back. If you're still on a high from Team Canada winning bronze at the Men's FIBA World Cup, so am I. Don't worry about it. I think we all still are. <laughs> it was a cool and very historic moment for men's basketball in Canada. So I want to have on someone who was down in Asia, on the ground, covering the tournament for Raptors Republic. It is Alex Adams, who joined me this past week to discuss all things Canada basketball and his work with Raptors Republic, his podcast, Behind the Play. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the kind comments. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't know about hardest working. And uh, <laughs> I definitely I need to step up my cell because your hat always uh, shines through. So I need to be uh, get up in uh, the the fashion game for reporters as well. So there's a couple of <laughs> things I need to work on. But uh, thanks again, Avery, for having me. I, I love all your work, and uh, it's pretty cool to to you know be invited onto the show. No, of course, won't have you on. I, I know I mentioned your your podcast. You've done so many interviews over the past few months. Again, I mentioned there that you were in. You're in Asia covering the FIBA World Cup, and I gotta say, just what was it like? I know a lot of people. I know for when it comes to sports media, we think about covering. Um, Great Cups, Super Bowls, FIFA World Cups, Stanley Cup Finals. You know, the FIFA World Cup isn't really a, a venue you people want to cover, but in a year in which Canada basketball has done so many good things, be it on the women's side, be it on the 3x3 side, be it on the men's side, why was it important for you to go down there and cover it, it in person and get a chance to see history um, with this national team in their run, Alex? It came together quite quickly and and not in uh, the normal way for, for many <laughs> reporters. I I just applied on, on a whim through a friend of mine uh, in July, mid-July, when the team was announced. And within a week, I found out that I was uh, got accreditation and uh, booked my flights and hotels and everything. And it was such an amazing journey to just uh to just cover this team and it was pretty it was an amazing way to cap off my my tournament by uh by them qualifying for the olympics and seeing the whole organization and everyone there just you know beaming with confidence and joy and it was just phenomenal just to be around players all the time and asking questions and trying to get interviews and it's it's tough it's not easy and uh, the access i wouldn't have said was the the best so I had to make do it was cool to for people that are Raptors fans I became I wouldn't say close but I developed a, a nice little relationship with Bruno Caboclo which I was not expecting going into the tournament um, and uh, the fact that Brazil flies economy helped with that because I kept seeing him on my flights back home <laughs> um, and uh, you know I interviewed jo uh, Jordi Fernandez I interviewed uh, Sergio Scariolo for Raptors fans he was the assistant when they won the championship very close with Nick Nurse and Jordi Fernandez Canada's head coach so overall it was just a phenomenal experience something I'll remember for a lifetime and, and thankfully FIBA uh, gives you a bag a shirt and everything so I have a lot of mementos now that I can uh, use back home so uh, I don't think I'll forget this uh great journey and just great time covering the team for for a long long time and no that's amazing and of course we talk about covering basketball so many of us North Americans were so used to seeing what the basketball culture is like in America and Canada but watching games in Indonesia and Tokyo and Manila basketball in so many of these places is life like especially Manila basketball is life like that's their game they love it and just what was like the environment like because no matter if it was game involving Canada 
uh, USA, Germany, doesn't matter who it was. These crowds were lively. These crowds were intense. No matter who was playing, Alex. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't have said the Indonesian crowd was the the you know always coming out out for the teams that weren't Canada, but they picked Canada um, just the way the FIFA World Cup was Indonesia being a host. They actually picked Canada to to play there, and so you saw a lot of Indonesians with like Lakers jerseys, just a lot of NBA jerseys. Um, uh, hopefully more as Shea Gilgis Alexander jerseys after that, and maybe some Dylan Brooks. And what was cool was in the first game. Dylan Brooks was booed when he got announced. It was maybe it was brew. I don't know. Maybe it was a the the hockey chant like Luongo where they say Lou and stuff like that. But uh anyways, by the end of the game, they were doing MVP chants. Similar thing happened in Manila. I would say for of course, uh um just uh Philippines is such a big basketball country. That's their number one sport. Um Japan, you could see with the just the pride and, and all the fans when Japan actually qualified for the Olympics. I wouldn't have said it was necessarily the same in Indonesia, but definitely for the France Canada game, the Spain Canada game, um, there's a lot of Latvian fans. There was a lot. There must have been a couple thousand in the stadium. So when when Canada played Latvia and when Latvia played any games, it felt like a home crowd, which was pretty cool. It, it brought something to the tournament into the environment that maybe if uh, it was any other team, it probably wouldn't have. So overall was an amazing experience and just to be in the culture and have the food and it's definitely very different. I, I, you know, I have a couple, my, my first uh, cab ride uh, into the Jakarta was definitely an experience. So I will say if you do go to Indonesia, just uh, know that it's very different from Canada, but it was, it was really fun and um, uh, pretty cool that Canada was able to, qualify for the Olympics and, and just have such a great tournament, as you mentioned yesterday, being the USA, which was one hell of a game. And, and Dylan Brooks uh, maybe shut up a little bit of uh, LeBron fans and, and USA fans after that performance. <laughs> it's funny because watching all tournament long and seeing, of course, Dylan Brooks has 39 points. It's now the record for most points for Canadian men's player in a FIBA tournament. Just watching how his game um, sets up another level. Watching Shea play well. Watching RJ Barrett play well. It's a, this is a team like anybody who doubted Team Canada. Like I don't know what you're expecting. This is a collection of guys who've been together for a bit now, who have a, who had a great coach in Jordy Fernandez, who I think will be getting an NBA head coaching gig fairly soon. I could see him getting a gig this year. I don't think it, people should not have been sleeping on Team Canada because we saw what they were able to do in pre-tournament action where they beat Spain, they beat Germany. Like, this is a team that they had every right to be a team that was contending for the medals from what they did all tournament long, Alex. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, as pe- if fans of the Canadian basketball uh, team for, for many years, for the men's team, know the, the trials and tribulations that this program's gone through and being just inches away from making the Olympics. And uh, obviously that felt that way going into the fourth quarter against Spain, where I, if you go back to my Twitter timeline, there was a lot of, this is the end of the world. I can't believe Canada always loses. It doesn't make the Olympics in the worst fashion time and time again. Again, But as you mentioned, just the, the talent on this roster really shined through. And and Shea, uh, obviously Dylan Brooks was amazing, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander just being the, the focal point of this team. And man, that guy's Paul, resting pulse or must be so low. The guy never gets... Never looks nervous, never gets off kilter. He's always calm, cool, and collected. Um, there's a video that uh, Muad Issa, who's like the social media guy at Canada Basketball, great, put out a great content 
has a video of, of Shea making that step back against uh, Spain that everyone would remember before he crossed over uh, Mikhail Bridges yesterday. Um, but just making the biggest shot maybe in Canadian basketball history up to that point. And he's just walking back to the bench and he's just calm. He just has his hands out like, okay, let's calm down, calm down. We're good. We're up two. It's not over. Right. Um, and that's just that calming presence and just the talent, I think was the the thing that put Canada over the top that they haven't had in prior years, as good as Andrew Wiggins has been or RJ Barrett um, to have a guy that's all NBA. Who's uh, a first team, all NBA who is a uh, MVP came fifth in MVP votes and an all-star um, probably better than even Steve Nash was at the time that he played for Canada. It's uh, pretty special. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, Shay's mom went to the Olympics and I think 96, because I think that was a motivating factor for him playing for Canada this summer. No, of course the pedigree to be Olympian is, is deep in Shay's blood right now. It really is. And, you know, you could tell these guys really, really want to succeed. And you can, of course, Mentioned the Spain game. Well, the big thing with Team Canada, Alex, was this team was so resilient. We saw, of mm-hmm. course, we saw in France in the slow start against France in the turn opener that would result in them blowing out France. We saw Spain being down by a dozen points, coming back. At Canada, you felt like in almost in every game they played, even even in the loss to Serbia, you felt like they were going to find a way to come back and get into this game. Of course, you don't want a slow start. You don't want to slow. You don't want to be down by 10 points in the first quarter. But Joey Fernandez's bunch always found a way to say, hey, this game is not over. We're still in this game. We still have a chance to win. Yeah, no, I mean, other than the Lebanon game that was a blowout, they got Mm. pushed in every single game in different ways, right? If you look at the France game, they had a slow start. Uh, against Latvia, they were down. There's the famous video of Jordi yes. Fernandez cussing out his teammates mm-hmm. after yep. the first quarter. They're down <laughs> 23-13. The crowd was going crazy in Indonesia, and they found a way to, to come back a lot of those third quarters. Obviously, um, uh, the Brazil game did not go well. And then mm-hmm. against Spain, um, everything felt like it was going against them, and they had that crazy rally that you mentioned uh, even against Slovenia, um, Slovenia made all their shots and, and yep. to start that game from three. And um, and obviously uh, against Serbia, they just played amazing, the Serbians, and they got in foul trouble. And then obviously the States. But in every game other than Lebanon, they were pushed. And going into the Olympics next year, I think if I'd imagine the same roster will be there, maybe with a Murray, maybe with a Wiggins or a couple other guys, but the core will still be intact. And they learned a lot of lessons, right? Jordy Fernandez talked about that after the game is that, or uh, after the USA game and a bunch of games, just that they're learning how to play this style. And um, the fact that they were tested so much throughout the tournament, I think really helped rather than maybe the USA who had this really easy draw. And then once they played good teams, they lost every single time it felt like, right. And and, and that was the, the opposite for Canada that really was tested from game one. And uh, man, man, oh man, that that game, um, I couldn't I, I, I didn't think the Spain game could get sweeter, but uh, that USA game felt really good. And um, I'm thankful that Mikhail Bridges made that shot so that I could see Shea, uh, you know, make him fall down after the fact uh, <laughs> on, that, on that shimmy and that man, Shea's ankles, there's like the replay of it and they almost go inwards. It's almost like he's breaking his ankle himself to, to do those uh, step backs, but um, I guess he has great ankle support, or I don't know what, but uh, what a player! And um, it was pretty, it was it was an honor to to cover this team and, and to cover him specifically. 
No, what he's done is amazing. If you're an OKC Thunder fan, like you have every reason to be so excited this year because this is a guy who is going to be your franchise guard in OKC for a very long time to come, Alex. Yeah, no, I mean, I think about how this tournament has been a stepping stone for SGA, right? Playing in OKC, no one really watches him. I did because I'm a diehard but um, and have league pass. But if you're not uh, crazy like me, and uh, you don't really know his game, right? And now he's he's cemented himself on the international stage. Um, I thought he was the best player in the tournament. No offense to Dennis Schroeder or or Luka Doncic. I thought he was the best player. And this might be a, somewhat of a, a table-setting moment for him going into this NBA season where he was top five in MVP voting. I think the Thunder could be a really, really good team. Maybe get to 50 wins, a top three or four seed maybe Shea's in that top MVP voting I really think that's where he's headed now you never know but it this feels like the the the, maybe the tipping point for him to really get that recognition worldwide and and not just in OKC and Canadian basketball sycophants uh fans and, and all those right and uh what a way to do it and and for the next five ten years of of Shea's career I'd imagine he's going to be uh, have much more uh, notoriety and and uh, uh, fan support, at least in Canada, and uh, probably more people will will think about him as one of the best players in the world. No, I definitely think you're going to see that. Of course, Canada wins bronze, 127-118 overtime win over the Americans, and watching different shows today, and it's just funny seeing how a lot of people realize more and more that, hey, the U.S. can't just roll out 12 random NBA players and win anymore. And if those days are, are long done, where they can just come into an international tournament, win by 55 points every game, and go home with the goal. Like, we saw a lot of holes in the U.S. Like, you, you need guys who can defend well. Because, again, we saw um, the USA give up 113 to Germany. Like, it was days where the U.S. defensively, they were not a strong team. And we saw all we saw today. The guys, you know, we saw LeBron go play in, in uh, Paris. Yeah. We saw Steph committing. We see all these other NBA guys committing. And it's kind of funny because you might not medal if you don't bring your best, if you don't bring a proper team to the table anymore. <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem is, is that they should still be worried about Dylan Brooks, man. Uh, that's that's where they're coming. They they want they want Brooks. They want LeBron wants the rematch. Um, no, but uh, overall, yeah, the the world's caught up, right? That's that's what's happened. And um, as you mentioned, this, none of the players on this team played at the the. The, the senior level for the U.S. in a FIBA setting. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some played at junior levels. But, yeah, the, the world's better. You look at that Germany team, they're perfect for FIBA. If people that maybe that didn't watch the tournament or aren't as familiar, um, the FIBA game is much more physical. There's no defensive three seconds. So um, you can kind of get away with maybe a bit less athleticism mm-hmm. as as a defender, right, and then put a big in the paint. Um, they're, the officiating is all over the place, but they let you – uh, get away with much more and uh, size is much more important and you saw that with with teams like Germany and yes. Serbia who made it to the final but way more size than the Canadians or the Americans and uh yeah with with the LeBron um and and Steph and KD quasi committing for for the next Olympics that's great um KD has a lot of experience in FIBA uh LeBron hasn't in, in 10 years but just to put a team together all of a sudden is going to be really tough. And that's what they did in, in 2020 or 2021 um, for the Olympics. And they barely beat France, whose best player was Evan Fournier, right? Um, I don't think 
they're they can do that at the same level and consistently be favorites and the way i see it is that it used to be the usa would go to the olympics and it would be okay what would you take the field or the usa and now i definitely always take the field just because the way the global game has grown like serbia made the finals they didn't have Jokic, right um canada made made one bronze didn't have jamal murray or andrew wiggins right like these teams are really really good around the world um i'm not even talking about greece if they were to make it and, and other teams as well so australia has all, actually had more nbaers technically in this tournament than canada so there's just so much talent around the world this isn't 1992 with charles barkley saying i don't know who's on angola but they should be worried or whatever i'm paraphrasing um it's it's different now in in the world basketball scene and uh that's good for me i, I enjoy that because uh it maybe shuts up a little bit of the american uh you know, it's uh, kind of the Noah Lyles, I'll, I'll just say that, um, <laughs> part of the American exceptionalism that uh, is probably a bit over the top. And uh, Canada was the better team that just they were throughout this whole tournament. And that's pretty cool to say. And uh, man, would it be sweet to, to beat the USA in the Olympics with Kevin Durant, with Steph Curry, with LeBron James, because even though um, that they obviously would have a bit more talent on, on mm-hmm. paper, Canada's gone through the trials and tribulations and those guys really haven't um, and and won't have that same collectiveness. And and you see that in the two teams that made the finals, Serbia and Germany, that have played together for a long time. Oh, of course, man. Yo, if the, if we get a Canada beating the USA in Paris next year, I am Who's going to Jamal be, Murray, man. <laughs> I'm going to be very petty to my American friend. Maybe the next year. I will be so petty if Canada beats the Americans in the Olympics next year. I will no, I'll show no mercy. I, I have my I have my Dylan Brooks uh pictures from <laughs> all his different um uh different let's say ventures. Um and I, I'm 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 ready for I'm ready for that. Those uh, scary hours, as as we say, as Drake would say, or yes. I don't know if he said that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> great. My one eye too. You know, I I I got to give a shout out too to the fact that the team Canada has helped in a major way. Of course, pre qualifying, you couldn't use any any NBA guys, mm-hmm. but getting here, a lot of guys from the CEBL played a major factor in helping mm-hmm. these guys be here. Guys like Cal Alexander, Lloyd Pandy, uh, Khalif Young. Like these are all guys who in a major way stepped up when called upon to play for Team Canada. You know what? And you might not see any CBL guys in the Olympic Games, but their contributions cannot be overstated enough and shows the importance of what the CBL is here to do to help these guys develop as pro players and give them opportunities to say, hey, you can one day play for the national team through playing in your own domestic league. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously you cover it's, it's the stingers and, and mm. stuff in CEBL. Is there any, what kind of players, I, I'm not in the CBL, CEBL loop, but what what uh, stingers players played for Canada, if any? So in this round, there were no stingers who played on the Team World Cup team or in the qualifying games, but there are guys on the roster who have played for Team Canada before. A great example is Adiga Peter McNeely. He's got experience playing internationally for Team Canada. And you know what? In the future, we might have Stingers one day playing for Team Canada at a World Cup or in qualifying in the future for the next Olympic Games. It could happen, I believe. Yeah, I know for sure. And and just to go off that, like, uh, obviously, I'm a Carlton alum, the, the Scrubs, uh, yes. Dornick, other guys that that played in the CEBL or just played in, in CIS as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much talent in this country. There's so many guys that dedicated themselves to to go all the way to Venezuela or 
wherever in the middle of February and taking 50 flights from Europe. And I know what it's like to, to do a cross uh, world journey. And, and definitely it takes a lot out of you and, and they weren't getting paid for that. Right. So you have to, to shout out all those guys. Um, and I, I thought it, when I, when Canada qualified for the Olympics, I thought about the Phil scrub. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about the Melvin Edgem who um, has been with this program for so long. And obviously he got emotional. Now he has a, a bronze medal, even guys like Dwight Powell, who obviously have been in the NBA, but uh, sacrificed so much to to get here and to play for Canada. And and he was emotional after the game. I, I went up to, 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 to like, Hey, what does it feel like? And he says, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> and you could see some tears dripping down his, his, his face. So um, it's just so cool. And, and I hope that a guy like maybe Melvin Edgem uh, can be on the team as maybe the 12th man, just for a tone setter and, and for a veteran and just almost as a, a tidbit, a la Christian Leitner on, on the, the dream team, a bit different, but uh, that same kind of ilk because you're probably not playing the, the 12th man. And he's still good enough. He played today versus the USA hit a big show or yesterday against the USA hit a big three pointer and is still a good player. So um, it's, it's amazing where yeah, basketball in this country is growing. And I think the CBL has done an amazing job of, of cultivating players and it's only going to get better over time. And uh, it's cool that you cover them and hopefully uh, there is going to be at least one player that uh, can, can make the team from the CBL, but going forward, the, it's going to be the same qualifier. So you're going to see a lot of guys in the CBL in 25 and 26. Mm-hmm helping Canada qualify for the world cup, which is essentially a qualifier for the Olympics. No, of course. And yeah. And yeah, I do. I do. Hope there is a future in which we do see a CBL guy automatically making an Olympic team. I think that would be great for the development of basketball in this country and the development of that league in general, which I think has been a great league to follow uh, since day one, Alex. I know you, I mentioned you were down there with you and Arash Madani. And one thing I, that was, one thing I wish we saw more of was more outlets saying reporters on location because I saw so many European outlets sent reporters on location. Yeah. You saw Asian outlets, you saw outlets from Asia sending your reporters down. One thing that I, it really bummed down is that we're not investing in sending our talent down for for moments like these because you can't you can't really get a proper feel for covering the FIBA World Cup from a studio in Toronto or in a newsroom. It doesn't hit the same, and just the acts you have between doing a Zoom to opposed to talking to a Dylan Brooks in person and talking to talking to RJ in person, talking to Joey Fernandez in person, it's night and day out because you would know. Yeah, no, I mean, I saw so many people quoting me and and I don't mean <laughs> in a negative way, but just I'd get these quotes and they, like Jordy Fernandez said, uh, Sergio Scariola was his FIBA fall, father or RJ Barrett said the paint's wide open before the tournament and just all these quotes, and I don't mean it in a disparaging way, but it's like if I wasn't there, mm-hmm. who's asking these questions? How do we know anything about this team? Yeah, fair. Right? And uh, it's 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 a shame. I also understand where the industry is going. My dad was a, a journalism prof. I I know that it's there's not a lot of money in there, but for example, Latvia had <laughs> Latvia has two million people, if that. They had about seven or eight journalists there. Wow. We had two and. I wasn't getting sponsored by anyone. Um, so that just tells you the lack of maybe interest as well by the companies. I, I don't, I, as much as Sportsnet's done a great job of, of doing the games, I don't know if they're as invested as maybe they should be. Um, and, and TSN didn't send anyone. Like, why isn't Josh Lewenberg great guy? 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's not again. It's not against Josh, but why isn't their top NBA uh, reporter, Raptors reporter, going? Yeah. So overall, it's uh, it's a shame, but also I hope this shows that how awesome the men's team is and the women's, um, who's been amazing. They came fourth at the World Cup last year, so mm-hmm. there are no slouches. Um, that the game in this country grows, that more people and uh, outlets are sending people to these events because it's it's awesome. And, and our teams are good. It's not like we're going there and we're coming 27th. We're going there and trying to win medals. So um, hopefully this changes. And uh, I, I'm, I'll am i definitely be uh, hoping to, to go to Paris as well. Or it's actually in Lille for the the, the original games like the or the, the group stage. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll try to get accreditation. But as you know, uh, Avery, it's, it's hard for, for many things, especially in Olympics. It's, they don't hand those out. So... Um, we'll see but overall uh, um, I hope it changes and and we'll see what the future lies how the future uh, kind of takes shape now hopefully covering Olympic games that would be that would be a blast I'm I'm trying to go to France as well too so I know know it's not easy it's not I know Olympic games are not easy to to go to accreditation is tough but you know what hey it'll be be definitely worth the trip to go see them play in um, Lille next year Alex that'd be awesome I'd, I'd love to you know uh, work alongside you and uh, going to Olympics would be pretty cool. So hopefully we can both make it happen. And uh, uh, that'd be, that'd be pretty special, um, especially alongside someone like you. Hopefully. Yeah. You're, you're too kind, buddy. So before that you go, I do and ask you, what was your favorite non-Canada story? Because there were so many stories there that were amazing. Be it, of course, be it from Germany winning and dash shorter being um, tournament MVP, be it even like South Sudan qualifying for the mm. Olympics next year, which is an amazing story and stuff. Like, well, what story to you was your favorite non-Canadian story at the World Cup? There's so many. I would say the South Sudan for people that don't know is just like just the coolest story. Uh, former NBA or Luol Deng uh, grew up, or I think we was born in South Sudan, but he actually played for Great Britain at the Olympics in mm-hmm. London. But he basically invested himself with his own money into the program became the GM about in 2019. Uh, they literally a year ago were practicing outside in South Sudan. He recruited all these, um, I wouldn't say uh, like Americans, but just players from of South Sudanian descent um, to the team and got them all together. And there's a lot of talent actually um, on the team. It's, it's not just a kind of role guys. There's the G league MVP and, and Carly uh, I, I forget his name is Jones, but um, anyways, and and when you Gabriel and there's an mm. upcoming guy who's 16, I believe, and and is like a seven footer, really good player. So they have a lot of talent. Also, a lot of uh, Canadians and and Mario uh, Shayok, who who went to a high school yes. nearby me in in Ottawa, and um, so there's a couple Canadian contingent on that team in a way. Um, so that was a really cool story. At the same time. For me personally, as I wasn't, South Sudan was not playing here, so I couldn't really cover that as well. Um, and they made the Olympics, which is really, really cool. First time ever. Um, uh, and I don't think it's the first time they'll ever have South Sudanian athletes at the Olympics, I believe. I could be mistaken. Uh, but it was cool just on my part to, to get to know Bruno a little bit and and have I had to sit down with Sergio Scariolo, which was, was great and had a bit of insight into how he found out he didn't get the Raptors job. So for me personally, that was some cool non-Canadian uh, moments, although I guess it was tied to the Raptors. That was a pretty cool thing to me. The Latvians were great. Um, first ever World Cup, they come fifth without their Kristaps Porzingis. They played yeah. a beautiful brand of basketball. 
Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Obviously, Serbia and Dennis Schroeder. Um, we'll see how th- how long that lasts and that experiment uh, looks for the Raptors this year. But that Germany team was really good, and I had them as one of the favorites going into the tournament. So I felt a bit vindicated there. Um, so those are some of the cool, really cool stories from the the tournament that I saw, and and just being uh, kind of on the ground and um, was pretty cool. And seeing France lose was funny to interact with <laughs> the uh, the French journalists. That uh, it felt as though at, at one point a couple were fitting the stereotype. And I thought, am I am I dreaming right now in terms of the French just way of of being, which was really cool. And uh, I made so many connections. The Latvians were great. Um, I was on a bunch of Latvian TV, which was interesting when you have to Google translate what they quote, how they quoted you and stuff. But um, yeah, I, that's my long winded answer is that there was a lot of cool stories, South Sudan, Latvia um, and uh, and the rest. So uh, pretty cool. And I'm very honored to, to have covered the tournament. And it's something I'll cherish for, for the rest of my life. No, you you really should, Alex. Before I let you go, I'll ask you. So, where can people find all of your podcasts? Work because again, like yeah. you, you're always hosting, you're always grinding, you're always putting out content. It seems like almost every day of the week, Alex. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm gonna. I, I've been at Raptors Republic. That's I'm gonna actually be doing a bit more Raptors stuff throughout the year. Not not full full time, but you can catch me doing post game reactions and, and stuff like that on Raptors Republic. Um, and you can check out the Weekend Ball podcast. I actually have another podcast coming out tomorrow, just kind of a tournament wrap up. Um, so check that out. And then I'm going to be going more full steam ahead with uh, the, my Behind the Play podcast. You can check that out everywhere. Um, I have Ron McLean coming on, Steve Dangle, hopefully someone uh, that you know well in Avery uh, will, will come on as well. Um <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else have I got. And I think Dave Pagnota as well. So some NHL people mm-hmm. going to try to get some basketball people like Brian Windhorse and Ramona Shelburne have tentatively agreed. So hopefully I can get them as well. So a lot of cool people coming up and um, uh, the, the, the person that I'm, I'm a bit worried to, to say with you is, is Omar Tic Tac Tomar uh, might come on. <laughs> so- that might be. Uh, I don't know if if your listeners like him at all. So he's. It might get loud with Omar. It might get pretty loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, 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 in all seriousness, Omar's amazing. Um, him, you guys on on on. Uh, I, man, I can't believe I forget your podcast. Oh, Zone time. Zone time. Awesome sh- show. Everyone should check that out. And I listen to it well, because you guys just make me laugh about hockey all the time. Which is, uh, I don't know how you do it. Um, but, uh, you're anyways, my long winded answer is to say, uh, behind the play podcast and Raptors Republic and, uh, follow me on Twitter at Alex Adams, BTB, which just means behind the play. Um, so thanks Avery for having me on. And, uh, I appreciate the, the, the shameless plug on my, on my part. So thank you. No, of course not. Anytime buddy, you're an amazing, amazing reporter, amazing host. Keep it up, Manny. You're, you're doing all the big things on Ottawa, dude. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that.